So hey there, welcome to episode 122 of the Movement and Mindfulness podcast. I am Erica and as always, super thrilled to have you with me. Today we're going to be diving into a conversation all about low back love. So stay tuned for that. Hi, and welcome to the Movement and Mindfulness podcast with me, Erica Webb of Erica Webb Yoga and Pilates. In this podcast, I, along with my guests, will explore what it means to move as an act of self-kindness and self-discovery. We'll look at the ways movement, mindset, and mindfulness support us to be and do the things we so desire in the world. I truly believe that movement has the ability to expand our capacity to show up for the things that are important to us. And I'm here to help you embrace the idea of movement as a powerful tool for wellness, rather than just another thing you think you should be doing. I'm thrilled you're here. Let's do this. All right, so we're diving into a conversation today all about low back love. Now, low back is um, somewhere that a lot of us experience tension or even pain on a fairly regular basis. And one of the things that I have come to find over my years of teaching movement is that when that has been true for someone, there's often a lot of fear around how to move so that it isn't aggravated. So, you know, so we don't kind of re um, experience the acute pain that we've had in the past. And obviously I am not a treating professional in the sense of I, I don't put my hands on anyone. I'm not a physiotherapist. I'm not a massage therapist, um, but obviously use movement. And so this whole area of helping people to move without pain is one that I am deeply entrenched in. And I think that there are often a few pieces of, of information missing for people when they dive into the world of movement. Maybe they're to told by their doctor or their physiotherapist or something, you need more core strength to support your low back. I often get people contacting me saying, oh, I want to start classes because I've been told I need more low back strength and more core strength to, to help my low back. And while I think that that suggestion is well-intentioned, I think that it often misses the mark for a lot of people and can lead to a lot of frustration when, you know, they go and they do the things that they think are going to build the low, the uh, core, I don't know why I keep saying low back, going to build that core strength to support their low back, only to find that it doesn't work and they end up frustrated. And there's a few reasons why I think that happens. The reason, part of the reason that I'm talking about this today is because I am going to run a, it's probably going to realistically be two hour workshop all about low back love is what I've called it. Um, because I think that this is a part of our body that we could absolutely do with more love towards. Um, and it's going to be a workshop online so you can attend from anywhere in, I have to just check the date, on Thursday, the 4th of November, 2021 at 11am Melbourne time in Australia. Um, this workshop is going to be all about what we're going to talk about today and probably we'll talk about it in next week's episode as well. I really want to, um, help to sort of shed some light, I suppose, on just a few things that if we, if we knew these things about our body and the way that, um, pain operates and the way that we kind of can, um, play into the very thing we're trying to avoid, um, so that you know, you and, and, and we as a collective can move with more confidence 
um, so that we can actually, you know, just like live our lives without having to worry, is today going to be the day that when I go to put on my shoe, um, I hurt my back. So some of the things that we're going to cover is, like I said, stuff that we're going to talk about today and stuff that we'll talk about next week, but we'll we'll go into it a lot more depth in the workshop. So if this one sounds like something that, you know, you want to hear more about, um, I'll pop the link to the workshop details in the show notes, um, but it's ericawebyoga.com.au forward slash low back love workshop, all one word. So let's dive into talking a little bit about this. I want to give you, um, this is a really big topic. And as I've sort of written the outline for the workshop, I'm like, this is a lot of information. I want to break it down in a way that just makes a a lot of good sense. um, And that gives you a little bit of food for thought. Because I think that we can become quite fixed in what we believe to be true about the way that our back functions. The way that I sort of see this play out often with clients is they're really unsure about how much they can do and not regret it the next day. Or they've really sort of started to limit how many things they do um, or how many movements they engage in for fear of making things worse. So I want to talk a little bit about this through the lens of somatic exercise Um, and pain science as well. We'll talk about that today and then we'll kind of move on to a slightly different piece next week. One of the things that's really interesting about our human bodies is that the main goal for our brain and for our nervous system is to just like be here, right? To survive. And as humans who stand on two legs, the Part of that sort of survival mechanism is keeping us upright, keeping us mobile, keeping us um, able to use our bodies as best we can. And that drive, that that innate sort of purpose, I suppose, um, can mean that we develop what we've talked about before as as being like movement blind spots. They exist for this reason. They exist because for whatever reason, our body found, you know, maybe a shortcut or an alternative way to execute on a movement or to move through the world or to keep ourselves sort of psychologically safe even. And those movement compensations or or movement blind spots are things that have happened in a very uh, adaptive way. They've helped us. We've, We've done them because it's helpful. And in the case of a low back, that maybe you've had an injury in the past. So I have hurt my back in the past just by uh, leaning over to pick up a plate out of the dishwasher. It was not long after I had my second baby. Um, I think I've told this story before, but ended up lying on the floor, couldn't get up. um, And it was awful. And for a while after that, you know, guess what I didn't do? Lean down in the same way to pick up a plate off the floor, uh, off the floor. There were no plates on the floor. There might have been, but out of the dishwasher. Um, and so this is true for a lot of people who have this sort of persistent low back tension or even pain is that we start to like minimize what we do. We think that we're protecting ourselves and our back by limiting the amount of motion that we move through. And yet what we know to be true is that motion or movement is really important 
in terms of sending information to our nervous system, to our brain. And so when we don't move through a particular range, essentially we're giving information to our brain that we're, we're, we're missing out on giving information to our brain that kind of proves that we're capable of executing on that movement. And so we end up sort of with this narrower and narrower field of what we can do. And then, you know, I, I like, I thought of, I thought of an analogy for this the other day, actually, that I really liked. Have you ever been in one of those dual control vehicles? I think, um, I'm trying to think if I ever did. I think I did. I took some, some driving lessons with an instructor when I was a teenager and, you know, get into these cars and there's pedals on both sides. So the driving instructor, and I think maybe even a steering wheel, um, the driving instructor can take control if they need to. And I imagine, you know, when it's, when it's my kid's turn to start to learn to drive, that I would be really kind of like keen for that dual control. Because the first time we step behind a wheel, we, you know, or sit behind a wheel rather, we don't know what we're doing. And so this dual control is like, it's a good idea, right? And I kind of have this image in my mind of like a sort of foolhardy young person getting in behind the wheel, starting to drive, trying to, you know, take a a corner and fourth gear or something far too quickly. You bet that that driving instructor is going to have their foot hovering above that pedal, just ready to put on the brakes. As soon as there is evidence that that learner driver is exceeding their capacity and your brain essentially does the same thing with movement what's the quickest way to make you stop it's to put on the brakes the you know the literal brakes of your of your muscles and so you know we might have this situation where we've really limited how much we move our low back we're pretty rigid, we're pretty fixed in place in an effort to protect it. Then we drop something. Maybe it's our phone. We're out, we drop our phone. We go to lean over and pick it up and we we feel the excruciating pain of, you know, I've done something to my back. And then we have evidence. Oh, all right, this was a bad idea. My back is awful, etc., etc. But the piece that we miss here is that we never gave any information to our body and our brain that that was even a good idea to lean over like that because we'd been avoiding it for so long that our brain registers this isn't a good idea we don't we don't know that this person this me can actually execute on this movement safely and don't feel like falling on my face today so you know what we're going to do we're going to put the the brakes on by creating pain And pain is a really interesting thing because pain doesn't always mean we've done anything wrong. Pain and actual damage to our tissues, to our body, are not always correlated. And this is a hard one to wrap our heads around. But pain is a signal. Pain is like a stop. It's like a stop sign. (laughs) but the sort of stop sign that kind of like sneaks up behind you and smacks you across the face. It is not quiet about it, right? And so part of this picture of managing low back discomfort, and it might be tension, it might be pain, it might be just like that fear around it, is moving it through a range while we feel safe and in control. 
And I think that this is part of what is often missing. And this is the bit that we're going to cover today because um, I think it's enough. Really, it's it's a it's a big, deep topic that we could get we could talk about for a long time. Um, but this is the piece that we often miss because we are scared. You know, that fear of hurting ourselves runs pretty deep. I have hurt myself a few times now snow skiing. And now any time I put my ski boot on, which I haven't done for a couple of years because we haven't been able to go, um, obviously, to the snow, uh, given given everything. Um, but any time that I put my foot in that boot, my knee starts to hurt, the one that I've hurt. And that is a really interesting part of the reality of pain. It isn't just a reflection and often even isn't a reflection of what we've physically done to our body. There might be zero tissue damage, but our brain remembers the things that are unsafe. And so, you know, it might be something like leaning down to pick up the dish out of the dishwasher creates a like, hang on, this is maybe not a good idea. It's a moment of subconscious or even conscious fear and kind of anticipation. And same when I put my foot in my ski boot. Um, I'm not scared when I put my foot in my ski boot because I'm literally sitting on a bench in the drying room just getting ready for the day. But that alone is enough to elicit a response in my body, which is pretty cool, actually, if you think about it. Um, And so we can get ourselves in this position where it's like, I just have to not move. Because if I don't move, I can't hurt myself. The problem is life doesn't happen in easily um, kind of confined to rigidity ways, right? Like we drop the phone. Our child needs um, picking up. Um, we trip and, and stumble and kind of need to correct for that. Life isn't clean in that respect. It isn't tidy. And so we want to be making sure that in our movement practice, we're creating the safety that our body needs to be able to change the story of what it means to move into different positions. So if I have, you know, the subconscious, it's most likely to be a subconscious story, but it could be conscious as well, that rounding my low back is dangerous, hurts, is going to, you know, um, create injury of some sort, then you better bet as soon as you try to do that, there's going to be an applying of the brakes by your brain, by your nervous system to stop you from doing that. Because if there's evidence of a lack of safety, your body and your brain don't want to go there. Why would they? So part of this picture of moving with low back pain or discomfort or tension is, and side note, those words could all be used interchangeably depending on your perception of of what's going on, right? So my pain um, is very subjective, but very real. Um, So one of the things that we want to be on the lookout for when we're dealing with this is in what ways is my body clawing for safety? We might be just noticing what's happening in that part, you know, that bad part of our back. And I put bad in inverted commas because there are no bad parts, but that's often the language that we use, which is important too, which we might talk about next week. Um, 
we might be just focused on on what's happening there, the sensation and, and kind of trying to protect that. But what we might not notice is that as we move through that movement and we're like, yeah, this feels okay, we're holding our breath, we're gritting our teeth, we're clawing our toes into the floor and we're bracing our belly. We might not notice those things because we're so focused on what's going on in our low back. But here's the thing, all of those things, all of those uh, ways of gripping and holding are your body looking for stability, looking for safety. And so any way that we're gripping is a sign that we don't feel 100% safe. Now, what isn't, um, sometimes I get a little bit like, oh, safe is such a emotive word. You know, you're like, but we're lying in a yoga room doing simple things. Like, how could I be unsafe? Um, and I guess we have to keep in mind that, you know, there's there's a lot of nuance to this and there's a lot of um, not being too like literal and too extreme with our thinking of what that safety means. But it is, it really does come down to your body looking for stability, looking for security, looking for safety. And so if you can't do a movement without holding your breath, if you can't, and we're talking low level movements here, right? So I'm not talking to the power lifters amongst us, uh, of which I am not, but power lifters will often hold their breath as they lift and other, other weight training um, modalities sometimes do that too, as a way of creating tension in the system um, to do what they're doing. But for the average person like you and I, that isn't necessary. And it is a way of signaling all is not well. And so one of the things that can be like one of the quickest ways to make a shift here and one that I hope, you know, I want to give you sort of like a a tangible thing that you can do. um, It's this, as you move through movements that you're like trying to figure out how much I often get asked, how much should I push? How do I know when to stop? Because sometimes I'll do something and I think it feels fine, but then the next day I'm in pain and I don't know what I did wrong. And I think, and I, have, I haven't I have got any science to back this up in the sense of like, I can't give you citations, um, but I think a lot of the time what happens is we're just not aware of the ways that our body is bracing for what we're doing because we're looking for one specific thing. And so, um, and, you know, there might also be an under, underlying belief that kind of overrides everything that like I always push too hard and always hurt. And that will impact how you feel. We're going to shelve that idea though. And we're going to talk about that another time. But um, if you can create an environment of safety in your movement practice, plus use that as a guide for like, how much do I do? When do I stop? Only do it for as long as You don't have to hold your breath to keep going. You don't have to clench your teeth to keep going. You don't have to make fists to keep going. You don't have to curl your toes and claw at the floor or grip your belly. Um, And gripping your belly is different than engaging, uh, you know, the support of the core. Um, But we're, you know, it's that kind of like knotty, grippy, like if I was to come up and scare you (laughs) right now like the way that your body would, that sort of feeling. Um, It's such a simple thing in so many ways, but once you're on the lookout for it, you'll realize, yeah, sometimes I actually really do just stop breathing while I do this thing. Um, And it's okay if you notice 
So let's just say you're doing uh, a movement in a class and you are like, oh, crap, yeah, I have stopped breathing um, and I kind of am doing the hold and then big, big exhale and then I'm holding again and then I'm exhaling and you notice it. Do you need to stop right away? Maybe, maybe not. And we love definite answers, so I apologize that I can't give you a definite answer because I know that we love that. But part of it is like, you know, I often do notice that I'll be holding my breath because I'm concentrating or whatever. The trick is, does it have to be like that to keep going? Or can you come back to a nice slow rhythm of breathing in and out through your nose? I might find, like I just before, when I said about clenching your fist, I realized I was literally sitting here clenching my fist. Um, You know, do I need to stop podcast recording? Probably not. But would it be good for me um, and maybe feel nice to see if I could do that without clenching my teeth or my, my fist? Probably. So part of it is just like making then getting curious, making an assessment, making a judgment about whether or not uh, we can kind of do the thing while we breathe calmly, while we release that clenching from anywhere that we can. And if we can't, then yeah, maybe it's time to either stop or like reduce what you're doing. So if there's a load involved, like you're using a resistance band or a weight, can you reduce that? If you're not using a load, but you're um, using a body part. So let's just say, which I mean, you would be right. If you're moving, you're going to be using a body part. That's a really strange thing to say, but let's just say you're taking your arms and legs away from your body um, to create um, a challenge for the midsection, right? So we're Let's just imagine that we're working on our core strength, core stability, and we're using our arms and legs as like levers, either, you know, up above the head and and reaching out like dead bug style or whatever we might be doing or on all fours and lifting one hand and one foot. There are so many ways that we can reduce and pull that back. So sometimes we, I think we seem to think that there's like doing the movement and there's not doing the movement and there's nothing in between. But the truth is there's a lot of space in between because the kind of like full version, which I don't love that term, but, you know, what we might consider to be like the the full range of that version of that movement, um, it can always be brought back. What happens if you don't lift your hand and foot? What if they just touch softly the floor? What if you lift, you know, five degrees? 15 degrees, instead of thinking that 90 degrees is your only option. And that's where we would start to go, okay, as I reduce this, as I reduce the load, as I reduce the effort, as I reduce whatever, can I get my, can I breathe then? Can I unclench the things that don't need to be efforting? And if the answer is yes, then great, then we work there and then we can build. But I think where we often come unstuck with this is that we go in for these movements at a level that, because sometimes these movements seem really simple. And they are, ultimately. Simple doesn't mean easy, though. And when we're dealing with something like low back pain, there's no need to be fearful of movement. But the reality is that you probably are, right? So we can't ignore that. We can't ignore the fact that we're fearful and just be like, well, motion is lotion and movement is medicine and everything will be fine. Because you don't believe that, right? So we have to create evidence that it's okay. And the way that we do that is by not being in a in a braced kind of like subtly freaking out state while we move. 
So we want to like pull it all back until we're able to maintain that. Now, this is different, I guess, to um, if you were doing something cardiovascular, like you would obviously have an elevated um, heart rate and respiration if you were doing something that was cardiovascular in nature. Um, But when we're talking about core strength stuff, that's usually uh, not where we start. You know, I don't I don't know too many people who head straight into uh, like a hit workout from um, from being told that they need more core strength. So this is, you know. Think, think yoga, think Pilates, think um, sort of like rehabby sort of movements. So let me just have a little think here about whether or not I have covered off all the things that I wanted to talk about. I'm conscious of not wanting to, to make this episode too long and overwhelm you with too much information. As I said, we're going to dive into this uh, in more detail in the workshop. I'm going to give you practical ways to kind of implement this stuff as well. Um, So if you're interested in that workshop, if you're like, oh my gosh, this is me, this is the kind of information I need, um, head over to that link. It's in the show notes, but it's also, uh, so my website's ericawebyoga.com.au forward slash low back love workshop, all one word, all lowercase, um, and you'll find the details there. It is a paid workshop, so it's 40 Australian dollars um, to attend. That's for the, the two hours, plus I will send through the replay so you can, you know, pick, um, rewatch it if you want to. If you can't make it live, you can watch it in your own time, although I would love to see you there live because it is super lovely to, you know, have people um, in front of you, even if it's behind a computer screen. Um, So I'm going to leave it there because I think that's a lot of information. I hope that that gives you some, you know, a a tangible kind of thing to move away with um, this week. Um, Yeah. What did I forget to say? The date of the workshop. I will just remind you of that again um, once I've reminded myself. Thursday, the 4th of November, 2021 at 11am Australian Eastern Daylight Time. So that works out. I know there's um, quite a few... People listening in from the US and North America, and um, I believe that works out to be a reasonable time over there as well. So if you have any questions about that, you know, you can always come and find me. I am over on Instagram and that's probably the best place to find me. Um, You can send me a DM. Um, I'm at Erica Web Yoga over there. And if you've got questions, um, you know, about the workshop, as well as the content of this podcast episode, I would love to hear from you. So don't hesitate. Um, I'm really happy to have a chat in the DMs. All right. Until next week, I hope you're able to give your low back a little bit of love and keep being kind to yourself. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Movement and Mindfulness podcast. I hope you loved it. And if you did, maybe share it with a friend who would love it too. And I'd also be so grateful if you'd take the time to subscribe, rate and review the show. It makes such a difference to get that feedback. And if you're over on social media, why not come and find me? You'll find me at Erica Web Yoga on both Instagram and Facebook. And over on my website, you'll find access to some free resources, including free classes that will help you to move well, feel well, and most importantly, move with kindness. Over there, you'll also find more information about joining me inside the Mindful Movement Virtual Studio, which is my home of kind movement, yoga, Pilates, and somatics to help you move well, feel well, and all with kindness. Until next time, I hope you're having a great day. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.